Have you ever thought to yourself, um, life's not turning out the way I expected it? Have you ever thought to yourself, um, you know, I didn't plan for this, whatever this is, this event, this person, this happening, uh, this stage, this season of my life? Or ever been uh, disappointed or brokenhearted? Anybody ever go through any of that? I know I have. Different times in my life. So let me tell you a story. It was when I was in Rome and I was a student. I was a seminarian. In fact, I was a deacon at the time. And I was just a couple months away from being ordained a priest. And I had the great honor of asking to serve as the deacon of a mass at a major basilica in Rome for a cardinal that worked in the Vatican. So I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big deal, right? So I'm serving the mass, but although I'm very nervous, big crowd, cardinal and all that. We get to the part of the mass uh, right before the Eucharistic prayer when the cardinal bows to the, uh, the deacon and the deacon takes the incense, you know, that big bowl that holds incense with a chain, and he incenses the cardinal, right? And then he's supposed to go down and incense the people. We, we've done this many times. Okay, so I'm nervous. My hands are sweaty, really sweaty. And I go to incense the cardinal, and just as he's bowing, I, I throw the bowl up on, you know, to incense him, and the chain just goes right through my sweaty hands and knocks the cardinal upside the forehead with the big bowl of incense. And down he goes on his back. He is laid out. All the people, all the people are, you know, gathering around him. And I'm just standing there frozen, thinking to myself, I'm dead. I've just killed a cardinal. And I'm never going to become a priest. My life is not working out the way I planned it. Well, they attend to him. He's okay. They bandage him. We go on with the mass. But I'm really frazzled, right? And concerned. At the end of the Mass, he pulls me aside. and He saw how mortified I was by this. And I'm, I'm ready for him just to light into me. And he says, you know, David, he says, um, accidents happen, right? Don't let things as a priest that happen to you that are unexpected stop you. Keep moving forward. It was a beautiful message. And it also just was uh, to be able to see a, a leader of our church be so compassionate. I will never forget that. My point is, is that life happens. And sometimes life happens in a way that we don't expect. And we can get hurt or we can hurt others. We, we can know loss in, in a variety of ways. We, we can have our hearts broken. We can become discouraged and disappointed. But here's the question. What to do about that? And why am I asking a question like that on Christmas? I'll get to that last part last. What to do with that? Well, I think that we have no place other that we need to look 
than in the gospel that we just heard proclaimed. And I'm not talking about Jesus, because yes, Jesus is the answer to everything in our life, including when life doesn't turn out the way we planned it. Yes, definitely Jesus. But Jesus, or should I say before Jesus, God gives Jesus a model to grow up with, right? To get him ready. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. And to get him ready for all that life will throw at him. And that model that Jesus grows up with can be a model for us. And the model that I'm referring to is Joseph. Joseph. I mean, just think about Joseph's life, all right? Like any man in Joseph's day, he grew up as a Jewish boy, very devout in his religious religion, very spiritual, and, and, and very much connected to the community and to the whole idea of finding a woman, marrying her, settling down, having a house and a job, and having many, many children, because that's how families were back then, large families. And then living a, a nice, comfortable, quiet life, pursuing the ways of God in quiet ways in the country town of Nazareth. We can only imagine those might have been Joseph's dreams, common dreams for men of Joseph's day, and women of Joseph's day too. So, Joseph is betrothed to Mary, and the first thing that he did not expect happens. His betrothed, Mary, says to him, I'm pregnant. And Joseph knows that this child is not his child. They have not yet come together to consummate their union. I'm pregnant. And Joseph has a decision to make. What am I going to do with this? And in the end, and it takes a little time, he receives Mary into his home. He believes what she says and what God gives to him in a dream that this child is going to be the Son of God. And it's this incredible story, almost too incredible to, for a man to believe when his wife comes to him and says, I'm not pregnant by another man. I'm pregnant by God. And he trusts her. And he trusts God. And his whole world changes at that time. Because everybody in this small town now knows what has happened. And of course, they're not as trusting as he is. And her name and his name is ruined. He's ridiculed for taking a sinner into his home. And he does. And thus begins the change in his life as he entrust his life to the providence of God rather than what he's going to decide to do with life when life comes to him in ways that he does not expect. And it starts to build this character and this integrity and this virtue in this man. 
And we might think to ourselves, and we might think to ourselves, okay, good, I, I got through that, we can live with this. But no, then a census is called, and he has to go to his ancestral home, because he's from the house of David, he has to go to Bethlehem, where David was born. So he's following the civil laws, and off they go, Mary and Joseph. He is their caretaker. No one else will look after her. She has been shunned. So she goes with him. And of course, we know the story along the way. She has to deliver the baby. And they don't have a place. And they don't have people looking after her. They don't have a midwife. It, he and she is it. Right? In a barn. In a cave hewn out for animals with all the smell and all the dung. And, and the baby, when the baby's born, is literally put into a feeding trough, a manger. And Joseph remains with his wife through all of this. But we can only again imagine, he's thinking to himself, the angel said this is going to be the son of God. Told Mary she's going to give birth to, to a king and his kingdom will last forever. And this is how it starts? I thought that he was going to come and bring a kingdom over all the earth. And he was going to rule and a palace, and we were going to be on his left and his right. And it doesn't happen that way. And again, he doesn't shut down. He doesn't run away. His heart doesn't become hardened. He doesn't become jaded. He doesn't still doubt. And if he doubts, he pushes through it. He trusts and entrusts his life and the life of his family to God rather than his own powers or his own disappointments his own designs. So, again, we think to ourselves, and he thinks to himself, okay, finally, all right, good, all right, we'll go back to Nazareth. No, because he finds out that the king of his own nation is out to kill his son because the king has found out the prophecy has been fulfilled and the Messiah is among him, the rightful king. And so he's warned, not go, don't go back to Nazareth. Instead, go all the way to Egypt. Do you know how far Bethlehem is to Egypt? In Alexandria, where they stayed? A thousand miles. She's just given birth, and off they go. And now Joseph, he has to learn. He has to provide for her. He has to get a job. They have to give a home. He has to take care of the baby. And the whole nine yards. And it's not just for a week or for a month. They had to wait till Herod died, which was a few years later. He had to build a whole new life for them. And at any time, he could have just checked out mentally, emotionally, gone to drink, to abandon her. This is too much. His heart had become jaded. Lord, I trusted in you. I, I said yes to you, and this is what I get? I'm done with you. And how many of us, or how many people do we know have had that kind of response? When their life didn't work out for them the way they expected, and I'm a good person. This is what I get, God. She dies, I lose my job. He's unfaithful, whatever, right? 
And Joseph's character and integrity and virtue and holiness grows and grows and grows. Finally, they're able to come back to Nazareth as outcasts. And he raises his son, the son of God. Remember, Jesus is fully God, yes. But we are told by the gospel writer that he grows in age and wisdom and grace before both God and man. So he develops like a human being if he's going to be fully human. And he has a father like this. We can only again imagine as Jesus himself goes through his ministry, right? And all kinds of things happen, good and bad. He remembers his father, his heavenly father and his earthly adopted father. And what Joseph becomes, because God calls him to become the person that God calls him to be rather than what Joseph wants to be. And he becomes that man, that husband, that father who raises the son of God and that son of God becomes savior of humanity. I tell this story, a well-known story, but maybe not from Joseph's perspective, precisely to come back to the reality that we live in a fallen, broken world, right? And life doesn't always, or if it hasn't yet, won't always work out the way we expect it. And we will get hurt. And we will hurt others. And we will be disappointed. And we will know loss. And we will know separation and anger and resentment and the temptation to allow our hearts to become hardened. But one of the greatest tragedies in this world is not a broken heart or a disappointed heart. One of the greatest tragedies of humanity is a hardened heart. Because it keeps us from becoming the person that God calls us to be. And we become the person that we determine to be by the hardness of our hearts. What to do with that then? If you don't want that, if you're living that, if you know others that are living that, if you fear that's what you're becoming, if you fear that that's one day what you will be, what to do with that? Well, I think we have our model in Joseph and everything we just talked about and allowing God, because we draw near to him and he draws near to us through all that and stop blaming him for things that he doesn't do and call upon him and trust in his providence that even though things happen to us that he doesn't cause, like Herod wanting to kill his child, he doesn't cause that. He will be with us as we go through the ups and downs of our lives. And he will make us into the persons he created us to be. And not despite the way our life is working out 
when it doesn't work out the way we want it to work out. But because of that, he will use it. And through it, we will become the people that God meant us to be, and we will set the world on fire. We will set our spouses on fire with a love for God. Our children, our parents, our fellow parishioners, our neighbors, and the list goes on and on. And how we do that, Joseph didn't do it alone. He didn't experience the changes in life, the unexpected, the disappointments, the hurts, the heartaches, the injustices against him. He didn't experience it alone. He didn't push God away. He pulled God in. So there's one of our answers. We go through this with God, not separate from him. And we go through it with one another. Mary and Joseph did this side by side. And when they came back to Nazareth, over time, what we know about Joseph and Mary is their kin and their people, they surrounded them and supported them. Because they saw what Joseph did for Mary. And they got behind them. And he raised up Jesus in a community of believers. They went to synagogue every Sabbath like a good Jew. They taught their son how to worship God. And that's our second answer. We don't do this without one another. Right? That's the way of discipleship. Let me just leave you a gift. A Christmas gift. And like any gift, you can open it and look at it and say, oh, isn't that nice? And put it up on a shelf and never use it. Or you can use that gift and allow the intention of the giver of the gift to be realized in you. And this is really not my gift. This is our parish's gift. And therefore God's gift to you. At the beginning of Mass, you've got two gifts. You've got a Christmas magazine and a book. A book called Life is Messy. If you didn't get it on your way out, make sure you get it. One for each family, so we have enough for everyone. Just one for each family. In the magazine, you'll read about, just in this, just in this month, this coming month, from January to February, you'll read about Unveiled, which is a retreat for married couples. Married couples who are barely hanging on, and married couples who've got it all going on. It's just perfect. And every couple in between. Right, Dr. Bob Schutz, who is this Catholic marriage and family life therapist, he's a spiritual director. He gives, he gives uh, talks, retreats to conferences of bishops in the United States, in seminaries, in parishes, in diocesan conferences. He's written many books. He's in great demand, and he's coming here to offer a retreat to you as married couples. It will be a retreat that will transform your marriage. And it'll be up to you. Will you draw God deeper into your marriage? And will you draw your spouse deeper into you? It's up to you. And the same goes with the Messy Family Project. It's literally that's its name. And they travel around the United States, and they're coming here at the beginning of February. 
to offer a treat to families. Because guess what? We already know this. Your family's messy, my family's messy, right? This parish family is messy. Life is messy. And you have an opportunity to come to this retreat. It's just a one-day retreat. And learn what to do with that messiness. And how God is in the midst of the mess to make something beautiful. We also have a men's retreat, a parish men's retreat, and a women's retreat. That's just four things in one month that you have an opportunity to do. Joseph is a model of discipleship, right? In the midst of all the messiness of his life, he chooses to know God, love God, follow God, trust God, and serve God. And then in him and through him, the world around him and all the way down to you and I, our lives were changed. In big ways and small ways, if you accept the road to discipleship, not only will God transform you, but transform everyone that you love who is near and dear to you. It doesn't take place over time. Joseph's journey is many years, and so is ours. Finally, the book. The book is by Matthew Kelly, and it's reflections, one page, each day reflections on how life is messy and what to do with it. If your life hasn't turned out the way that you expected it, or if your life is messy at times, your life as individuals, your work, your, your marriages, your, your families, your children, your Christian faith, there's an answer to that. All you have to do is follow the way of Joseph, and he will lead you to Jesus. Why did I say all of this on Christmas? Because Christmas... When we look in a manger, we look in an idyllic sense. And we just think, oh, isn't that nice? We get all warm and fuzzy inside. The story around the manger is a messy marriage and a messy family that trusted in God and changed the world. And it began at Christmas. Our Christian faith began at Christmas. And for some of us here, if you choose to open the gifts of Christmas that this parish gives to you, your Christian faith can begin again.